Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the No Names and players currently making a name. And welcome to episode 130 of Habs Unfiltered. I am your host, Blaine Putvey. I'm joined now by my co-hosts, Matt Smith. Afternoon. And Treg Wilson. Hey, doing? So uh, we're going to forego talking about our weeks. I mean, some people may care how our weeks went, but, uh, you know, just just to keep Matt from blocking Treg again, you know. <laughs> Poor Treg got triggered last, last time, and it, it just... It took a while for him to f- b- rebuild that uh, that Habs room of his, you know, after destroying everything. He did a good job, okay. though. Yeah, he definitely did. It. He definitely did a nice job. Yeah, Tina did a good job repainting it. Yeah, I had to put the lines in. Okay, so all she had to do was paint over tape. I did the hard part. No, she's doing the hard part. She married you. <laughs> that was her choice. I weird. I know it's a weird thing to say, but I mean. Why? 
I know her and Christine get together every night and cry over it. Yeah, Treg's like, Tequila yeah. was involved. Get off me. I'm like, <laughs> sounds like what Tina said the night she married you. <laughs> <laughs> you did it for that huge bulge in my pants. It's called my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> Little did she know there was nothing in it but coupons. Canadian Tire yeah. Money, the Canadian snack. <laughs> <laughs> That's, again, her choice. Yeah. Yeah, no one forced her, but that, you know, we all have things that we regret in our lives. Yeah. She's made I regret, mistakes. I regret beating you guys. But anyway, here True. we are. Uh, We've all we made you. mistakes. We love you too. <laughs> We've all made mistakes, but Tina's is one that you could probably see from space. Like Christine's. Oh, yeah. Although she was drunk because you met her at the palace. So that's right. We can clarify that up. Oh, 100%. My my wife was absolutely smashed at the palace, which is a notorious place in Halifax, or it used to be before it got shut down. And what are you going to do? It's the way it is. So uh, without further ado, this week's uh, this episode, we're going to talk uh, about the stall trade, uh, Jordan Harris's decision, the upcoming decision with Caulfield. Uh, any future moves that we're thinking about. And as always, we will troll each other as we just did. For your entertainment, not for ours. We do this We do this solely to entertain others. We don't do this just because it's fun for us. If anyone's listening. Yeah, mom. <laughs> All right, so let's just, without further ado, just jump right in. Uh, the first point, the stall trade. So, uh, Treg, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Eric Stahl was traded to the Montreal Canadiens. The Habs gave up a third and a fifth in 2021. And in return, Buffalo gave up Stahl at 50% of the cap hit, which is about $1.625 million. So your thoughts on the trade? I think this is an absolute, absolute steal by Mark Bergevin. <clears throat> um, Stahl's going to bring experience. He's going to bring depth at center, which is something that we needed. Uh, not just any old depth, but veteran depth. Uh, he's a complete upgrade to Evans and it's nothing against Evans. I thought Evans was playing good hockey, but this is a guy that we're now going to go into the playoffs. If, if we make it, which it looks more and more likely every day that we will um, with two pretty good veteran centers that can get 50, at least 50% on the faceoff dot consistently. Uh, and it's going to going to help uh, shelter uh, Kotniemi and uh, Suzuki and uh yeah provide scoring depth for the canadians uh, you got to remember he's one year removed from 19 goals uh in 44 points with uh, minnesota in 63 games so you know you go to buffalo even jack eichel's not scoring any goals or doing anything he's hurt now but when he wasn't hurt he wasn't or taylor hall and taylor hall or, or jeff skinner or jeff skinner or so, anyone on the buffalo roster right so i mean you look at that uh you know star players just don't drop out of sight overnight um, I'm not saying he's going to come into Montreal and be, you know, PP point per game guy, uh, but he has that potential. He has the potential to improve Montreal's offense, their power play, everything. So this was, like I say, a complete steal. Uh, he pretty much got him for nothing and had the other team pay half his salary. Uh, it's almost like with his little uh, godfather look he had at his presser today, he just walked into Buffalo and said, uh, you know, this is what's going to happen and you're going to like it. So. That's what I got to say. I'm happy about it. So that's what I got to say about it. Matt, what about you? 
I agree with everything Trey just said. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so as for the deal, just breaking it down a little bit. Um, so the Canadians gave up a third and a fifth, which was their own third, their own fifth. They still own Chicago and Washington's third this year and the blues and the golden Knight. No, the, uh, senators and the flyers fifth, um, which in turn, Buffalo didn't have a third. They didn't have a fifth. Now they do. Everybody's happy. They didn't give up a roster player. They had some space. They made a deal. I'm happy with it. As, as Trey alluded to, like all his points, he hit right on the, you know, hit the nail right on the head. Um, it's going to bring in, he's going to bring in depth. It's going to be an upgrade at the fourth line center position. It's going to provide shelter for the young guys. He can play on the power play. He's going to bring some, uh, some veteran leadership to the lineup, to the locker room. He's uh, played with guys at different levels um, internationally. You know, I think this is a really big win. And, um, you know, it took uh, it took another year or so, but uh, um, Bergevin finally got uh, the number one center out of Carolina, just a few years removed. But um, I think it's a big win. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the lineup. Uh, he should be um, – on his way to Montreal now and supposed to be talking to the media tomorrow on Sunday. So something to look forward to. He's going to be wearing number 21 and uh, we'll see him out there within a week or so. Yeah. Yeah. So like you mentioned, it's a seven day quarantine now. So that that's a big difference and it'll kick off starting today. Uh, there was some talk that possibly the, uh, the season starts on Tuesday. They're not, sh- they're not confirming where or, who will be playing that day, but let's assume they play a game on Tuesday. So that, that means uh, Spezza might Spezza. I don't know why I'm thinking that <laughs> probably because he's an older fourth line player. Um, Are they supposed to but, play Ottawa on Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah. But it could be Edmonton because they're playing Toronto right now. Could be. Yeah. So once we know for sure, Stahl will join the Canadians probably miss maybe three, four games. It'll give him a chance to, and I don't see him jumping right in either. I see him practicing a couple of days before going in. He mentioned that, uh, so Bergevin in his press conference today mentioned that about Toffoli being, playing, uh, doing a couple of practices, one or two practices before he joins a team. So I would assume they're going to do the same with Stahl. Now, adding Stahl to the fourth line, and that is what this move is. It is a depth experience centerman. He wasn't brought in to play top six minutes. He wasn't brought in to even play third line minutes. He's brought in as a fourth liner. Um, now his face-off numbers uh, career-wise are just under 50%. So, I mean, eh, that's not ideal, but here's a guy with Stanley Cup experience uh, coming off of a 19-goal season last year. And let's be honest, you guys mentioned it. It's Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo was below the Seattle Kraken on the power rankings. That's that's how bad their season's been going. They're what? Their they're, own power rankings. Their own power rankings in Buffalo. And they've gone, what, 17 games without a win now? It's 16. It'll be 16, 17 later today when they play. Doesn't matter. It doesn't they're... matter who they're I think, playing. I think they're playing Pittsburgh. <laughs> no, they're not playing Pittsburgh. They're playing the, I don't even know. I'll look. I'll look. <laughs> Again, it really doesn't matter. So they're they're, they're, they're probably going to lose. Yeah, they're over sixteen. They're they're having a hard time scoring goals. Play, playing Boston. 
playing Boston. Yeah. Okay. So 0 for 17. Um, so he's got three goals in his, his time in Buffalo. Now on a real NHL team, that would be what about 10? I mean, let's give or take. So is it's not that bad. When you look at his numbers, you got to keep in context the team that he's on. And that team is a dumpster fire of a hockey team right now. So of course he's going to wave his no trade clause to go anywhere else. So his arrival in Montreal, I think will help the Canadians depth wise, especially experience at center because the Canadians only had really just the one centerman with any substantial experience. And that's Deno with five years. And we've gone on about this all season long, how the Canadians experience at center is a detriment to the overall success. Adding him helps, especially with Corey Perry on his right wing. So those two have played together before internationally. They can maybe rekindle a little bit of uh, chemistry, you know, playing what we're not talking a lot here, maybe 10 minutes a game at, uh, you know, on a fourth line role. 12, probably at most. 12, maybe if you add some power play time, because that's where Perry's going to be for those extra minutes. But so overall about, let's say 10 to 12 minutes and those two together, they're big bodies. They, uh, they can win their board battles. They're not overly physical players in throwing hits, but they use their size to protect the puck and they still have some hands. So in a fourth line against other fourth lines, it's, it'll be beneficial. So I, I think it's a good trade for the Canadians and I don't expect stall to stay in Montreal after this year. So uh, it's not like the Canadians traded away their future by giving up a third round pick and a fifth round pick, Matt, you, you mentioned it. It's uh, you know, they've still got two more picks in each one of those rounds. They still got 12 picks overall. So really it's, it's a very minor, a minor cost to bring in something that can impact the team right now. Canadians so. have done really well draft wise in rounds, you know, two, three, four, five, the last couple yeah. of years. And now they've got their own, their own second, fourth, their own second and fourth. And then they have other teams, second, two thirds, two fourths and two fifths. So they'll still find, they'll still find a gem or two in those rounds. I'm not really worried. And uh, another thing about the, uh, the stall trade, um, the whole, um, quarantine from 14 days to seven days that, that was a big part of it too um and the fact that uh stall came out and said you know i don't want to go to a canadian team because of that quarantine and now he's waived just no trade to go to montreal he'll wear number 21 and as i said really looking forward to see him on the ice he will be eligible to play next sunday if, yeah. if he gets into montreal tonight yeah <clears throat> or practice or whatever it is he wants to do there next yeah, yeah. they want him to do there next sunday so about three games, I think they miss in that time. If we go by the old schedule, yeah, three games like Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're not, uh, we're not going to be a hundred percent sure what the schedule is. Mm. There's going to be some, some re uh, rejigging of the schedule. Uh, that's been announced uh, by Bergevin already that there's going to be some movement. Uh, there's going to be a, a, a heavier, uh, a heavier schedule for the Canadians coming up. And it's this rejigging of the schedule is going to affect all seven teams in the division. So we'll see what comes out of it. Uh, Bergevin in his press conference today said that he has the information, but he can't share it because that's the league's, um, the league's purview. 
So mm. I fully expect that we hear something by Monday. By Monday, we'll know what's going on. I expect to see the Edmonton games played this week, just for the simple fact that they're already on the East Coast. That's right. Yeah, it would make perfect sense. Yeah, but what's their schedule coming up, right? So their their schedule will have to be fixed to match well, that well, accordingly. And that's what I'm saying. And like yeah. you said, it's going to affect all seven teams yeah. anyway. So. And the good news with the schedule is this: um, Vancouver and Calgary, while they've had all of this whole week to pick up some ground on the Canadians, have been losing all their damn games. So there's, there's more of a gap. Uh, Vancouver's not far behind the Canadians. I think they're two points back, but the Habs have six games in hand now. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, Calgary is about six or seven points back now. Calgary's and, four. four yeah, points back. there you go. And Montreal's got games in hand there too. Yeah. So even without playing, the schedule has benefited the Canadians. Now, yeah. the Canadians just need to actually win some of those games in hand to create that separation in regulation, not just, get that, not just get that point. <laughs> yeah, you're asking a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. They're actually Montreal right now is actually only five points out of first. Yeah. Really. Yeah. If you really want to want to look at with games in hand on everyone. Yeah. Um, and if, I mean, Winnipeg keeps going the way they're going, Montreal could be pushing Toronto into fourth. So Let's see how it goes. Well, even if let, no matter what happens here, the basically, Montreal's playoff hopes are in their own hands. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and we mentioned this on the last show. Uh, Montreal just needs to play 500 or better for the rest. If they play exactly 500 from now on, uh, because they're six, uh, they're 597 right now. But if they play 500 from now on, that means a team like Vancouver would have to go 12, 4, and 3 in their final games. So, you know, like they pretty much have to win almost every game just to make it in. And that's the closest team to them. So there is in their home. I don't want Montreal to go out and go, you know, 500, but it gives you a better sense of the comfort zone that they're in, even though a lot of people think Montreal's a dumpster fire right now. It kind of isn't. Um, so, yeah, I'm not expecting them to take first. I'm not expecting them to maybe move up to third, maybe, but I'm not really expecting they're, they're exactly where we said they would be at the start of the season here on our show. Uh, they're the exact team we thought they would be, maybe a little bit more wins, a little less overtime losses, but, you know, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be an exciting time. So sit back yeah. and enjoy. Yeah, and keep in mind, too, that Montreal had all these issues going on during the season and are still right there in a playoff spot. So despite all the setbacks, despite all the issues, they're still in it. Um, And now they have the opportunity to build themselves to the point where they can actually, they've gotten past those problems and get themselves on a roll in time for the playoffs to start, because it doesn't matter if you finish first or fourth, the important thing is going into the playoffs prepared, healthy and ready. So if the Canadians are on a roll going in the playoffs and they're in fourth, I would take that over the Canadians limping their way in to the playoffs in first place. Yeah, for sure. And Bergevin even said in his presser that uh, uh, games in hand are no good if you don't win them. Yeah. So, uh, and which is, I, I think that's a beautiful message to the team because it's basically saying, I don't care if we have games in hands or not, we still got to win them. The destiny, our destiny is still held within this room and on our ice. So, you know, 
forget about what the other teams are doing. Let's just worry about what we're doing. And, and if you if you play with that mentality, you know, it's just better. Yep. Destiny's in their own hands. Just go out and play. Um, and uh, he also mentioned in the uh, the press conference that Sherratt's injury looks like it's reco- his recovery is looking better than they expected. So he's probably going to be back before around the six weeks, maybe, maybe a little bit sooner. So it, at least practicing with the team, say at five weeks, I think would be a, a bonus. Get back up to game speed at about six weeks and then throw you back into the lineup. So that, that would definitely help the Canadians, almost as if he picked up another defenseman at the trade deadline. Charles, look at me. He won't pick up another defenseman at the trade deadline or, if he feels Sherrod's going to be back earlier. Or as the Habs unfiltered insider account states, maybe he does, but maybe he doesn't. Well, when I was talking to the insider the other day, he said he heard rumors that Bergevin may make another move. This was yesterday. Or he may not make another move. But that, that's what the rumor is. You know, that, that insider has the greatest insight of yeah. any insider. He's picking up the phone, but he's also putting it down. Well, like he does in the gym, pick things up, yes. put them pick, down, pick put things down. up, put them down. The phone's very light though. So he can pick, he has to pick it up a lot yeah. to get those reps in. Yeah. yeah. He's trying to get a 60 pound phone installed, but they're hard to get. I heard he got, he, he ordered a 100 pound dumbbell as a cell phone so that he can work, work yeah. his biceps. No. To that prepare makes, for the that, arm wrestling match. That makes sense. And he calls himself all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, the next point is Jordan Harris. So Jordan Harris, his season came to an end about a week ago, a little over a week ago. And then as we all mentioned, the Jordan Harris watch was on. And Harris decided, I'm going to stay in, I'm going to stay in school. So, Matt, we're going to start with you on this one. Uh, what is your view of Jordan Harris choosing to stay in college for his senior year at Northeastern? Um, I think that he sees the uh, the level of depth that the Canadians have at that position right now and that maybe jumping into the lineup isn't going to be something that he'd be able to do right away. So maybe that was part of it. And, you know, I'm not going to fault the guy. He's thinking of his uh, life after hockey and – and having an education. So I'm not going to fault him on that whatsoever. Um, he was also named uh, captain of Northeastern going into next season. So congratulations to him. I had a outstanding season. He was a point of game player. He was always um, somebody that was on the ice that you noticed uh, when, uh, when Northeastern played um, They're uh, they're a team that's uh, only getting better. They've got Devin Levy on their team. They've got uh, Struble on the team, et cetera. Um, I can't, um, you know, I can't fault him for wanting to stay in school. Uh, would I have accepted him in Laval and seen what he had in the pro game? Absolutely. But uh, I think that uh, the senior year, he's just going to, he's going to show up. He's going to have another good year. He's going to captain that team. He's only going to get better and we're going to see his skill set uh, improve from there. And he's going to come out of there with an education and then a uh, NHL contract. And I don't have any, I don't have any, I'm not scared that they're going to lose his rights and that he's not going to sign and all this shit. A lot of people started bitching about that and I can't see it being a problem. I think he's uh, committed to the Canadians organization and we'll see him in uh, Laval, I believe after, uh, after next year. 
Fred. Uh, we mentioned we talked about this on the last show, uh, so I won't get into great detail. But uh, he did say when he got drafted that he wanted to finish his uh, university. He said, he pretty much said that the day he was drafted that he liked to get his degree and stuff like that. Uh, both sides say they're committed to the Montreal Canadiens, so or he's committed to the Montreal Canadiens. So I don't see any. I agree with you, Matt. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, if it does come down to that, you you made another point: the depth of the Canadiens, especially on the left side. You, he goes somewhere else, he goes somewhere else. And that, that, that's his choice. Uh, I mean, you look at the guys now, you look at Fairbrother, Gooley, Norlander, Liskinen. Uh, on the right side, you got Broken, you got Flurry. Um, you know, like, you got to look at it. Is Harrison your top five? Is he six or seven? I think that was a big thing with him, too. Like, where am I going to play if I decide to sign? Am I going to Laval? Am I going to be one of the guys in Laval? Um, especially with the play of Fairbrother and Gooley in Laval, um, they're already maybe a step ahead of them. You have Struble also coming uh, coming along pretty well. Uh, so I'm not worried. I, I think he'll sign with the Canadians when the season's over. I, ha- I have no worries about that. I- I'm-, I'm very happy about our, our-, our defensive depth. Um, and we'll see where it goes. Not all these guys are going to make the Canadians. Not all of them are going to make Laval. Like, they're not all going to work out. That's just at law of averages. Um but as of right now, he he and my he's not high on my list. He's not top five, but he's not far out of it. Like you can interchange some of the people I have near the bottom of that list. So, uh, and I'm not too worried about it really. Now, um, I wrote an article on this for the Hockey Raiders that's going to be coming out this weekend on Jordan Harris and his decision to stay in college, uh, breaking it down, pros cons, all that crap. Um, now, like you. I'm not concerned with whether he stays or goes. I mean, you look at you look at the number of players that were drafted that play NCAA and the number that actually wait out until the 15th of August of the, the fourth season to become UFAs. And, and you've got anecdotal evidence. You've got a handful of players. You know, you can name uh, you can name guys like uh, like Schultz or or Haynes uh, Hayes. Yeah, Hayes. Uh, you know, a handful, four or five guys out of several hundred will become UFAs. And normally they do that so they can they can handpick where they want to go. And there's reasons why they want to go there. Like, uh, you know, the GM that drafted them ended up being fired and then moving to another team. So they feel that they have a better chance at being valued if they follow that GM or their brother plays for a specific team, or that team offers them immediate access to an NHL roster. Now, in Harris's case, that uh, none of those are factors. Let's be uh, let's be honest. Even if he signs in, you know, wherever he signs, doesn't matter where he goes. He's going to need time in the minors before he can go to the NHL. No matter what team he goes to, Bergevin is still with the Canadians as of right now. Um, he doesn't have a brother who plays in the NHL. So yeah, I, I'm not too concerned. And even Jim Madigan came out and publicly stated that everything that the, this young man has been saying and doing points to him wanting to stay in Montreal. Uh, he points to the number of visits Rob Ramage has made to Northeastern to work with Harris specifically. And he said, I've lost count how many times he's shown up in three years. Basically, 
Harris wanted to complete his studies. I know there's a lot of people that mention, hey, you can always finish your studies, you know, after you turn pro. But as someone who has done continuing education as myself, uh, I know how hard it is to leave school, start a career, start a family, then go back to school to finish it. So in Harris's case, I get it. You want to be, you're in that mode now. You have that open window now, do it. Not to mention the fact that he has been named the captain. Um, he's in the final year of his schooling. You know, he's only got the one season, one year left, and then he's graduated. He puts a high, uh, high priority on education, and they have unfinished business. Northeastern got thumped out of the Hockey East Conference, and they've got they want to go out and win. They're they're the almost the entire roster is coming back, and they've got Levi in net. If people who watch Team Canada know how good Levi can be. Um, so I get it. I totally get it. And let's be honest. He played 19 games this season. You're going to play 19 games and call that a development season. I know he got point per game and all, but c- come on, that that's not enough. And by the time at the time when he made his choice, it was a two week, um, quarantine. He would have had about 12 games in the AHL to round out his development. So it would have been about 31, 32 games. How many of those games would he played? Because as you mentioned, Treg, there's a lot of other left-handed defensemen. There's already eight other defensemen in Laval right now, and they can't all play. So all that factored in, I get it. I totally get it. And I am not concerned either. So let's let's have fun watching what he does in Northeastern and revisiting episode 130 of Habs Unfiltered in a year from now when he finally signs somewhere. And we can either pat ourselves on the back or delete this part of the episode. <laughs> Works for me. Yeah. Uh, there's no word from the Habs Insider account, the Habs Unfiltered Insider account on what's going to happen. So I'm, I'm going to wait to hear what they have to say because, you know, the Habs, in, the Habs Unfiltered Insider account has been spot on with every single move so far. He's on the phone right now. He's uh, he's getting down to the business of Jordan Harris. That's right. So far, all he knows is that he's either going to sign or he won't. See, right there. That's <laughs> that's the kind that's the kind of insight that you can expect of any insider account that has multiple R's in it. Oh wait! By August fifteenth, twenty twenty two, we will know. Book it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best insider ever. You couldn't ask for any better. You just couldn't. Um, and if anyone's taking that account seriously, come on. Come on. It's for fun. Let's let's just have fun with this, would shall we? So uh, moving on to the next NCAA prospect that everybody's wagging their tongues about, Cole, the goal scorer, Caulfield. So here's a Never kid who got, yeah. Got 30 goals in 31 games in the NCAA this year. I mean, that's that's impressive in its own. It. That's it. Uh, right. So they got bounced against Bemidi State uh, yesterday. Uh, the underdog, Bemidi State, took out Wisconsin. And when you watched – I watched the game. I'm sure you guys did as well. Um, there was one player who showed up to play, and that's Cole Caulfield. Just one. Yeah. The rest were kind of, I mean, there was a couple of guys who showed flashes. Holloway showed flashes. Yeah. 
Weisbach yeah. showed flashes. Cameron Rowe looked good when he went in the net. In relief. In relief. Other than that, that was pretty much it. It was really yeah. the Caulfield show. It was. He got two goals and an assist in a 6-3 loss. And had 13 shots. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he was being shadowed by two players at all times. So is it Eric Cole Caulfield <laughs> with all those shots? Just wondering. He's not yes. a power forward. Um, no, that's anyway, for sure. <laughs> so hey, he played, he played, he, you know, why did he play with a lot of heart and he was, he was all over the ice. He wasn't just getting shots on net. He, he was, uh, he was playing the body. He looked, he looked hungry out there and he was really the, uh, only reason that that team did as well as what they did, because as, as Blaine said, they were upset by, uh, by a team that just came out and played harder. Wisconsin's weakest thing was their goaltending going into it, and it was their goaltending that let them down in this game. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, on to Caulfield. As the player who actually showed up and played, he got two goals and an assist. He got 30 goals in 31 games. He scored 20 goals in his last 15 games. He was really bringing it on by the end of the season. He led the NCAA in scoring. He's going to win the Hobie Baker. So... Obviously, during Bergevin's press conference today, Caulfield became front and center of the whole kit and caboodle. So they were asking all kinds of questions. And just wa- uh, just watching the press conference and listening to Bergevin sidestep every question as if he was in the Matrix dodging bullets was kind of funny. So uh, asked if, when will Caulfield sign? And his response in French was, well... It could be a couple hours, days, weeks, months, years. Just stay tuned. Winking a gun, you know. So it was with, with a very sly smirk on his face. Yeah, as if to say he signed like 14 minutes ago. I'm just not telling you anything. <laughs> so yeah. So there's obviously some some concern about the the salary cap. Signing him, putting him on the roster. Will the salary cap fit? Um, the likelihood that he plays right away, it, I doubt. I think he'll end up in the AHL right away after he does a seven-day quarantine. So that's not going to be an issue cap-wise right away. But there is concern if he is called up. Uh, so right now the Canadians have about $1.4 million in cap space. Uh, but you got to keep in mind that Bergevin has already said that he wants to keep the cap space to cover any bonuses – that are promised to players, even the performance bonuses. So he wants to keep that space there so that if they meet those requirements and he pays those bonuses, they do not slide to next year and take away cap space from next year. So he wants everything encapsulated this year so that he has more room to work with next year. So you got to keep that in mind. So that, that could be delaying a signing a little bit. But I doubt it. I fully expect Caulfield to be signed by this time Tuesday morning. So, uh, Matt, we'll start with you again. What are your thoughts on Caulfield? I think that he's the best player in college hockey right now. I think he's the best player in the NCAA. And um, his his game has went from just standing at a spot and waiting for a shot to come to him to really driving the play. And uh, his game has become a lot more complete than what it was. Um 
the Canadians don't have a player like this in their system. They don't have a lot of teams don't have a player that can score at the rate of Cole Caulfield. And despite his size, he scored at every level. He's turned heads. Thanks again to the Flyers for not picking him. I say this every time I talk about him. Um, very much looking forward to this guy signing with the team. Fans are excited. The team should be excited. But uh, I agree with you that I believe that the best place for him is to go work with Joel Bouchard, work with some of these veteran guys that they have in uh, in Laval, uh, dominate that league, and uh, sooner or later we'll see you with the Canadians. Yeah, he's dominated. He was at every step of the way in his hockey career. It's always, well, he's too small. He's too small. So his draft year, oh, he's just too small. Goes out and scores 72 goals. The following year after being drafted by the Canadians, ah, he's too small. Goes out, wins the scoring title for the Big Ten and top freshman. Again this year, ah, he's too small. Goes out, wins the scoring title for the entire NCAA. He'll get signed. Ah, he's too small to play pro. He'll go, he'll go to the AHL and prove himself there. NHL, on and on and on. He has a skill set of someone who could score goals. And that is not something that you can take lightly. Yeah, it'll give Laval it'll give Laval another weapon on the power play as well. Yeah. I, I'm I'm really liking what I'm seeing him with Yelonen and yeah. um, how his shot's been how his shot has really um, been taken off lately. And this will just give Bouchard another weapon and someone that uh, he can help develop. It's 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 worked it's worked well with a few prospects so far, and I I, I think that um, he'll do really good things with Caulfield when he gets there. What about you, Trey? I believe Caulfield will go to Laval. Uh, I think it's going to be a money thing too. Like as of right now, the 1.4 million, but that's with Byron and Romanov both in the taxi squad. So that's $4 million right there. I'm sitting on the taxi squad right now. Um, and only 800 of that is Romanov. So um, he has seven days. If he signs, I mean, we have no idea where Cole Caulfield is right now. He could be, on his way to Montreal as we speak. I don't know. Um, I do believe, I agree with you, Blaine. I believe we will know by the end of this weekend. I think he, I think he signs by the end of this weekend myself. Um, seven days quarantine. That takes him to next week. Uh, I mean, the Habs, they're tight for money. I don't see him playing right away anyway. So I don't, I don't think it's going to his... Even if he signs a minimum contract, I believe it's seven hundred fifty thousand, uh, or is it seven hundred thousand? One or the other. Um, I don't think he signs that. I think he signs an eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollar contract. Um, yeah. So he's got to. I mean, I don't think Bergevin's really done making moves, even though he says he's kind of is, sort of is. I think his answer. They asked someone asked if he was going to make any more moves, and his answer was no. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. but it's, it'll be interesting. I know there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people out there that want Caulfield on Montreal. I have no doubt he will be successful on Montreal. Uh, I just think the better path for him is to go through Laval money wise, skill wise, give him a week or two with Bouchard. If he goes to Laval and he's, a point per game guy or close to a point per game guy while in Laval, then sure. Bring him up. He, he's going to be better than Armia. Um, so, but like I say, you got to make room for him. 
Like he, you know, you have to make the room for him. So someone got to go wise. somewhere. Not just cap wise, but player wise, someone got to go somewhere. I mean, you just got stall. So one of Romanov and Byron staying on the taxi squad. Um, and it's not Romanov. You no. Know. So now if you bring Caulfield up, that's someone else that's going to have to go down to the taxi squad and sit on the taxi squad. So, or be traded out or be traded out. So, th- and this is why I don't think Bergevin's done. Like he says he is. He was a little bit more sure of his answer when he said, are you done? He wasn't kind of flip-flop and he literally went, they said, are you done? Uh, or they said, do you have any more moves to make? Do you have any? No. And he went, no. But that, but then five minutes later, he said something completely different. Yeah. He said, you know, I can't tell you what I'm doing, you know, without the horse of the league knowing what I'm doing. So it's not like I, I can only be so transparent. Which yeah, and the, I, I don't, the the no answer that he gave was to a very long, rambling question from Arpin Basu, who it is well known that he irks Bergevin. No. Yes, there, there's some irk there for sure. I mean, you can see it because Bergevin talking to any other reporter. Oh yeah, Arpin Basu. Yeah, he is no. a lot more affable when he's speaking to yeah. uh, to others. And then when Arpin Bass, who asks him a question, he he crosses his arms, he sigh, he hops, he puffs. Just, just imagine if that John Liu thing with with uh, with Drouin was with Basu and Bergevin. It'd have been like, Bert- oh oh oh, you're here. He'd be like, oh, it's Basu. Fuck off. And he'd be, he would have been <laughs> You had your chance. Yeah, there would have been no second guess. He just would have been are, like, I don't Are you going to sit down and answer the question, Bergevin? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I like Arpin. I think Arpin's very good at what he does. I like his work. Uh, I've, we've met him a couple of times. I know Matt and I, we've had dinner with him. Uh, nice guy. Get along fine. But it's quite obvious that Bergevin doesn't share that point of view. I don't know what happened between them two. I think maybe I don't a know. question or something really. Or an article he wrote. That article he, he wrote. With. I don't know. Um, I personally haven't met Arpin. I've communicated him through via Twitter and stuff like that. I have no issue. I had no issue with Arpin. I've never had a, you know, he's no Connor McKenna. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started. Don't get me started. I mean, and. <laughs> You know, like, I mean, he's fair. He makes his point. You make your point. And if he thinks exactly. you're wrong, he, he, think, he thinks you're wrong. He just says, well, I don't agree with you. Continues on with life. So he's clearly uh, the opposite of a Connor McKenna. Well, everyone's an opposite of Connor McKenna. Let's, I mean, you can have a better conversation with a cat. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, but anyway, I, I don't think Bergman's done. It doesn't make any sense for me to be he, for him to be done. I think you're going to see a contract moving out. I don't think you're going to. I mean, we're getting into a whole different subject now. But said a Cole Caulfield. But in order, so I'll change it around. In order for Caulfield to play in Montreal, he has to move somebody out. He can't have guys like Byron Armia just sitting on the taxi squad, uh, making that much money. He he has to move them out. So I'm not saying it's Byron or Mears per se, but he has to move someone out with some type of contract to them. So, yeah. The thing is, like, if they wanted to move Byron's contract, they'd have to give up something with it. Like, and I don't think he's against doing that. I really he'd, don't. He'd, ha- it, he'd have to anyway. He mentioned it in the presser. He said, "You, there are teams out there that will take on contracts, but it's going to cost you." 
So I think it all depends on what the cost is. And Uh, I think he's open to spending that, uh, to paying that price because the cap next year is staying flat and he needs more space. I mean, the buyout for, uh, for Alsner will go down a little bit next year. So there's going to be a little bit more room there. Uh, But players are going to need contracts, you know, like Tatar, Deneau, Kotkaniemi, which one is he going to... And you got to think we're not going to have this where we shouldn't have this whole taxi squad thing next year, right? right? So... Which isn't a big deal. It's not a big change or departure from what we normally have. So he's got players he's going to have to make decisions on and he needs cap space to make those choices. So I can can totally understand if he he pays... as I, I've mentioned this in other episodes, pay Chicago because Chicago's already stated that they're open to doing this. Pay Chicago a second, maybe a lower end prospect for to take Byron off his hands. In return, he gets some expiring AHL contract, a player that has no place in their their program anymore in Chicago. So send him on over. It's it's a heavy price to pay, but at the same time cap space has value so it is it may be time to make that that kind of move if they so moved if sorry yeah if they, go if, ahead. They, if they move byron who would you uh who would you give the a to i don't know uh anyone else petrie doesn't he already have one no most oh, gallagher it's gallagher and byron no but yeah. doesn't petrie wear it when they're on the road and gallagher wears it at home I know that there's a couple of players that Some swap t- back yeah, and every now and then, but I haven't paid yeah. that close of attention to it because it's clear who the leaders on the team are, yeah. regardless of the letter. That's true. So to me, it's not, I don't, I don't put a ton of stock into that. To myself. me, the only letter that counts is a C and with that, the H in it. Sure. I see, I see what you did there. You see what I did there, yeah. but yeah, it, it is time that they shave a little bit of uh, cap space off. And speaking of shaving, you need to try this out for yourself. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tucks. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code unfiltered20. Always use the right tools for the job. Men, start taking notes because it's time to reduce cuts on your nuts. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. This is their third generation trimmer featuring advanced skin safe technology. So you keep your bad boys nice and smooth. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology, uh, technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And they spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. And just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to shave in the shower as well. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So many people have written in stories about how the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer has changed their lives. They even included pics so I can see so you could see the smoothness for yourself and they aren't kidding. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. 
Get 20% off and free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code unfiltered20. Use the right tools for the job. And uh, as an aside, um, as I said last week, Treg, do not send pictures. I already sent them. I know. Please stop. To you and, to you and Christine. Yeah. And I, while I appreciate the laughter that came from her when she saw that and how she said, oh, my God, it's like a penis, only smaller. So I got, uh, got a good laugh. At the same time, uh, no. No. There, there's some things that you just can't unsee. Yeah. I'm just saying people will pay good money to see that. Well, if you put it on the OnlyFans, the Habs Unfiltered OnlyFans, then I don't want to I don't want to take away from that. I seriously doubt you will. You never know. People will pay money to see Matt. People will pay money to not see that. I don't know. Anacondas are a rare thing. I don't think you know what that means. Oh, I know what it means. Garden snake, anaconda, yeah. Anyhow, back to the show. So any future moves? This is the open portion of the show. So Matt, what what does your inner Habs insider thinking? I I just think it's they're gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna be a move to clear up a contract, clear up a spot for Caulfield. Other than that, um They've got depth defense in, in guys like Willette. They got guys that they can call up like Flurry. Um, they just went out and got Stall. They're, they're, uh, they're sheltering the youth on the team right now. I, I don't see any big moves, to be honest. Uh, I agree. I mean, I know there's people out there thinking, Ekholm, Ekholm, Ekholm. Um, we talked about this last week. Everyone was a puck movie defender. I personally don't think he's the puck moving defender everyone thinks he is. Um, he's he can move the puck, he can exit the zones, but he's not the he's not the improved Victor Mete, I guess we could say that everyone's looking for, which is basically the puck moving defender they want. Um, I mentioned last week Vince Dunn would be a good pickup for a cheap price. Uh, however, JD Larang made a good point on Twitter. Uh, mid to long term, he doesn't see that being a logical move, especially with all the youth on left D coming up from through the system. He could log jam that a bit, which is which is true, especially if you sign him to a contract in his RFA season. Um, but I don't see him going out and doing that. Uh, based on his comments about Sherratt coming back early and knock on wood, uh, he's going to come back early and play well. I think he's pretty content with the way the defense is, and I don't see him. Uh, Unless he gets some kind of super good deal, uh, I think he should uh, trade off some cap, lose a trade to get rid of some cap space, and uh, and clear it up so that guys like uh, Flurry and and Caulfield and we can bring guys up and place them in where we need them uh, or Leskinen. I think Leskinen should get a shot. You want a puck moving defenseman? Bring Leskinen up from Laval. He got ten assists there. He's third on the team in points or something like that down there. He's doing excellent quarterback in their power play. Bring him up and give him a shot. Um, other than that, I don't see him making a. I don't see him making a big splash. I don't see him making a move to say improve the team. But like Matt said, more of making a move to clear up space. Yeah, um, 
on Leskinen, I've mentioned this before. I think that he deserves a call up, and if he if there is to be a call up for a defenseman, he should be the one they make, and not just to sit on the taxi squad, but to actually dress and play. So um, you look at the advanced stats that are available from the AHL, and our friend uh, Jason Paul uh, over at Wave Intel has gone into this as well. He has shown what Leskinen can do. Um, he is one of the better defensemen overall in the AHL, especially with zone exits, zone entries, controlled zone entries, uh, transition plays, giveaways, takeaways, all that, all of those. He is one of the best. So he has shown that he is ready for that, that next step. So I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be against bringing him up and placing him on that third pair instead of Wallet, instead of Mete, because Leskinen's shot is actually, you know, good. He's got a good shot. Um, so he can bring that that foot speed. He can br- maybe not quite to the level that Mete does, but he has good foot speed. He has good mobility. Uh, he's got a little bit more size. So he's he's able to withstand some of the rigors physically a little bit better. Uh, he's got good, uh, good positioning. Uh, he puts his stick in the right lanes. He reads the plays well. So overall, I think that he could bring... A sol- he would be a solid addition on a third pairing. Maybe he can play a little bit on a power play on a second wave, maybe, but I don't think he would hurt the team putting him on the third wave. And actually, I think or on the third pair, I should think he'd help. Um, as for moves, uh, I fully, fully believe that there's going to have to be some kind of a cap move made, either at the deadline or at the after the season's done. And Byron, I think, is the guy on the outside looking in for that one. You look I at mean, the Seattle expansion as well. Yeah. You got to keep that in mind as well, but I don't think Seattle's going to be uh, tripping over themselves to pick up Byron. So oh, but that's when, that's when they can yeah. sweeten the deal. Kind of like what Vegas did and some Maybe. of the players they picked up with draft picks and different extra players. Et cetera, so no, right? Yeah. So no matter what happens to get rid of Byron, they have to pay a premium to do it. Yeah. So I do see it happening. Be it Chicago, be it Seattle. Um, if they did it with Seattle, at least it would protect their defense. You know, that way Sherratt and uh, Edmondson would stay. All, uh, Allen could stay. Uh, so there's that aspect of it. But um, if they were to do it before the trade deadline to, say, Chicago, as I mentioned earlier, and they did bring up Dunn, like uh, like Treg mentioned, if they brought Dunn, uh, Dunn in, I don't think it's that big of a, an issue per se mid to long term well long term sure but i don't mid term just i was yeah. just bringing up uh jd made a good point he made jd a point. made a good point but uh bergevin has shown that he is willing to sign guys and then trade them later on mm-hmm. so yeah sure you can you can bring him in get a couple of runs and then depending on what he signs him for trade him away for some kind of asset to make space i could see that but i can also see that he looks at Sherratt coming back a little early as his big addition and not do a thing for the blue line. So that that's how I see it. I, yeah. I don't I don't see him adding in at the blue. I think he, I think if he was all in, which I don't think he is, like some people are saying, mm-hmm. uh, he makes a move for that puck moving defenseman, and he throws whatever he can out there to get him. Uh, but he's not all in. He's he's content with the playoffs. Hopefully, win a round or two see what happens from there. Yeah. Uh, other than that, he's, you know, maybe next year, 2022, which I've said, I think since we started this show, 
is the year where I think Bergevin goes all in to, to build the contender. So, yeah. Cause a lot of prospects that they've, they've drafted are their, their rights come due then, and there's yeah. not a lot of space to sign them. So you're going to have maybe five or six spots available to sign prospects. So it's time to trade some away, trade some picks, which they have a ton of yeah. to, to actually bring in those pieces. They think they need to make that next big step. So yeah, yeah I, I'm on board with that. Uh, so any final thoughts from either of you before we sign off? I'm just looking forward to hockey coming back and they can actually get back on the ice and, and uh, get back to practice. And uh, so hopefully to Foley, will uh, pick up right where he left off and stall will make an impact like Perry, like uh, Lake Perry has. Trey. Uh, it looks like Monday, they're going to go back to practicing uh, from the presser. He said it does nothing's it's just the same two guys yep. and uh, we're moving forward uh, game. I believe there's a game scheduled for right now, Tuesday, whether it's going to be a game or not, or who they're going to play is another story. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward. Like I say, it's, it's an exciting time. And uh, anyone who's in, uh, you know, thinking we're not going to make the playoffs or we all what they got to do is play 500 the rest of the way. And they're almost, they're pretty much a lock for, uh, for the playoffs because Vancouver, who's two points behind needs to play at almost a 700 uh, click just to uh, just to, maintain a tie for the last playoff spot and Calgary's starting to fade off. So they're at almost an 800, 750, 800 click uh, percent winning percentage just to tie. So yeah, I'm not worried going forward and uh, let's just enjoy the hockey and go from there. Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens the rest of the way here now. So um, I'm not expecting uh, you know, a parade or anything, but it'd be nice to see uh, a team make a good run, give the fans something that they've been waiting for a few years. And that's, that's quality playoff hockey. I personally think a first round win or bust. I don't, I'm not to the point where Bergman will get fired, but I no. think I will, I won't be happy if they don't win at least one round. It would definitely be fun to watch, see them actually yeah. win a playoff round. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Kind of like last year's uh, play in, Everyone was excited after they won that play-in. I think if they won that first round, it'd be the same feeling. If so, Carter Hart played like he does now, we would have won that first <laughs> round. It's true. Um, especially with the, the color scheme of the Canadians and the Rangers matching so well. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So uh, I think that does it for the show. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, we, we really do appreciate everybody who, who clicks, listens, interacts with us. You guys make this, uh, very fun. We've done this for a while now and it's you guys that make the show, not us, especially because Treg's here. We want to apologize in advance for that. We're sorry that Treg's here. You know, they're Treg's not though. They love yeah. me. And, you're just and if you're not watching on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you do subscribe to our YouTube channel, you will be in the running to win the latest Terry Ryan book fights, films and folklore. Uh, once we hit a specific number, we are going to draw a random name of the subscribers in on YouTube for that book. And there's going to be a couple of winners. So tell your friends, so subscribe to YouTube, click, follow, listen, enjoy. There's going to be some exclusive content on the YouTube channel. So just keep tuning in and, uh, remember if you are talking about it, so are we. Hey, What's that over there? 
I don't know, man. It looks like a it looks like a jock strap. What what's a jock strap doing up in the concourse? I don't know. Let me check. It, it says C Lindgren on it. Weird. Man, are you always getting digged out and losing your gear? If so, you should download the new app, GearFinder.com. We'll put microchips in all your gear. So when that guy digs you out on a simple play, you'll find your gear later and not some dudes in the crowd. Hey, man, I should take this home to my wife. She might like it. Maybe she can find your gear, too. Well, we'll download the app and we can help Charlie Lindgren out. (laughs) Yeah, help me. Yeah! Throw it over, guys! GearFinder.com For all your lost gear needs. Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.